Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before your holy word. And we pray that your word will touch us. And we pray that it would give us perseverance. As so, as people who are waiting upon the Lord, perseverance is tough. We pray that this word would give us the strength to continue on. Lord, this has been a difficult year, but would your word give us peace and perseverance so that we may continue to love you and worship you all the days of our lives. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I would say one of the most underrated people in the Protestant tradition is the Virgin Mary. Now, why is this so? Largely, it's a response to the Catholic Church. Um, the Catholic Church has elevated Mary uh, to uh, a deity, so much so that you not only pray to God the Father and God the Son, you also pray to the Virgin Mary as well. Now, the early Protestant fathers, in reaction to this, wanted to stay away from any type of erroneous teaching that the Catholic Church taught. And it is wrong. Mary is not a deity. She is a regular human being. But in teaching about Mary, the Protestant fathers did this. They, they made her to be almost a nobody. When they, when they taught um, about Mary, they said, she gave birth to Jesus, nothing to see here, let's move on. She's just like one of us. She's like you and me, nothing different. She's a sinner. You know, there's nothing to see here. Let's continue to move on. But we do a disservice by moving that fast. Yes, Mary is one of us, but she's a little bit more than us in the sense that she is a great teacher of the church. There's much to learn from Mary. She is one of the trailblazers of the Christian faith. For if you think about it, she is one of the first to really believe in the Son of God in flesh. And so there is much to learn from Mary, and that is the whole thrust of my sermon today. It's simply to be like Mary. To be like Mary. The church does a disservice by quickly moving fast from Mary and only giving praise to Jesus. Yes, Jesus is the main character. Yes, Jesus is the one that is to be praised. But we need to see how Mary reacts to Jesus so that we can take cues from her and understand how we are to respond to Jesus. So it is simple. Today's sermon is about being like Mary. And what is Mary like? There's three things that we see in this text. We see that Mary is the favored one. We see that Mary is the skeptical one. And we see Mary is the blessed one. So first, Mary, the favored one. Verses 26 and 27 set up the whole stage of this scene. We see that it is the sixth month. And this is to say that it is the sixth month of Elizabeth's presidency. This is not June. But it is the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, and Elizabeth is the cousin of Mary. And before this whole scene, we have found out that Elizabeth, in her old age, who has not given birth, is now to give birth to John the Baptist. And here then we move on. 
And Gabriel comes now to Mary to announce the great news to Mary. And Gabriel comes to Mary in verse 28 and says, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And I want to reflect a little bit on what it means to be the favored one. If you're reading the NIV, it says, You who are highly favored. Why was Mary favored in this scenario? And much has been written about this and thought about this. If you go to the Catholic, the Roman Catholic Church, and you ask, why is Mary the favored one? They would teach you the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception. Mary was born without sin. Mary has always been without sin, and she is a pure person who gives birth to the Son of God. That is why she is to be revered. She is elevated. She is deity. And then if you go on a couple centuries later, you get a more modern interpretation, which doesn't stray far from this doctrine of immaculate conception. Mary was pure, humble, and ready for this task to be given to her. If you dive into a deep study of all the modern scholars, Mary is again once again elevated to this pure, refined person, a person without sin, pure, who is ought to be praised. But nothing in Scripture says that about Mary. Actually, we know not much about Mary. The only two things we do know is that she was betrothed to Joseph and that she was very, very poor. The depictions we have of Mary in a, a blue garment in, in, in glowing milky white skin is a farce. She didn't have money for a nice blue dyed cloth. She, most likely she was dirty. Most likely she didn't have any um, defining characteristics about her. She was just one of the many. Now, a lot of people make, uh, make, uh, make sure to point out that Mary was a virgin. And so we see Mary was this pure, undefiled person. But if you really think about it, back in the Middle East times, I am sure that 99.5% of the Middle Eastern women were virgin. It was just not in the culture to have sex before marriage. So this doesn't set her apart by any means. She is a common, normal person. Now, is she bad? Is she good? We just don't know. And here is the point. Why is Mary the favored one? If you look at the word, the Greek word karitao, all it means is it is someone who receives a gift to be the recipient of a benefit. Why is Mary the favored one? Because God has chosen to give her a gift. This is not about Mary. This is about God's initiative and what he does to his people. God has come to Mary and has announced to her that she will be the mother of the Son of God. And that the Lord is with her. Therefore, she is the highly favored one. And this is important because we are also the favored ones. You must remember that 
being favored simply means that God is now with you. The Lord is with us and therefore we are favored. Mary's life really becomes important and to the forefront once God has chosen her. That is why it does not matter what Mary's past is. She could have been good. She could have been bad. It's irrelevant to this scenario. What matters is that God has chosen her. But the story continues on, and we see that Mary is not as holy as we once might have thought. Because as the angel announces this to her, what is her reaction? If she was truly holy, she would have bowed down and worshipped the angel and said, Oh, glory to God. But what does she do? Verse 29. But she was greatly troubled at the same and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Mary gives a normal answer. If I saw an angel and he said something to me, I would be very skeptical, as, as you should all be. And she's skeptical. And she goes, what is going on? But the angel, and we need to hear the angel's words, says something very profound to Mary. Verse 30, and I will read it for us, and 33. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. While we want to focus on Mary, we need to slow down and focus on these very words the angels pronounce to Mary. What is the angel saying to Mary? He is preaching to her the gospel. The time has now come for the Son of God to come to earth. Mary, inside of you will be the key to all of humanity. The Son of God will come and will take his rightful place on the throne, not just for the next hundred years, but forever. There will be no end to his reign. The God of the Israelites, who delivered them out of Egypt, who created the heavens and the earth, have not forgotten his people and is now delivering on his promise. Mary, do you believe? And is the angel saying something new? No. We know that the angel is quoting Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, 13 and 14. For if we read Isaiah chapter 7 and 13, 14, there is the prophecy that says this. And he said, Hear them, O house of David. Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Almost 800 years prior to this scene, it was foretold that a virgin would give birth to the Son of God. This angel is preaching the gospel to Mary. And it is a wonder 
and we revel at these words. God is taking the initiative. God is not allowing any person to disrupt this plan. God is initiating the conversation with Mary. God is choosing Mary. And God is telling Mary exactly what is going to happen. He will deliver his people. He has not forgotten and will deliver on his promises. Praise be to God. And after the angel announces all this, what does Mary say? And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? This reveals two things about Mary. One, she has no idea what is being said to her. Right? That's one thing that becomes clear. Um, two, she doesn't know her scriptures. All right. She doesn't know what's going on because any scholar and Pharisee, not a commoner, but any Pharisee would have known that this would have been a sign of the coming Messiah. But beyond that, Mary is encountering an angel. An angel who says he's from God. Remember, the God who created the whole world, the universe, and he's going to deliver all his people, and he's creating the new heavens and the new earth, and the response Mary gives is, well, but, 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 but wait, I'm a virgin. How will this be? I think this makes Mary super relatable. Because this is how we respond to the gospel often. We talk about Jesus and how he's come to redeem our souls, how he raised from the dead, and how he's going to take us to heaven. But how many of us have sit there in light of the gospel and said, yeah, but what about evolution? What about the dinosaurs? Or we'll say, yeah, but that's, what about the virgin birth? How is that possible? Look. If God is who God says he is, and if we believe that Jesus rose from the death, God is able to do all things. Amen? God is able to do all things. And I love this response from Mary because it makes her so relate. That, that is me. I would ask that same question. If God says, Jesus is coming, I'm like, wait, hold on. How is this possible? That's not possible. Easily, the angel could have rebuked Mary and said, Mary, are you not listening? But here, the angel understands. He understands that this news may be too wonderful for her, so he goes again and explains to her, this is what's going to happen. Verse 35 and 37. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore the angel, therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Here's the reassurance that the angel gives her. I know where your mind's at. I know where that question is coming from. So I'm so thankful the angel adds that last phrase, for nothing will be impossible with God. 
This is the words we need to hear. God can do all things, and God will deliver on his promises most of all. This is the good word. So we see up to this point, Mary is a little skeptical, but the angel keeps assuaging her with the gospel words. God is great, God will deliver, and God has initiated the process. But how is Mary the blessed one? We see that she is the blessed one when she finally believes. Mary, up to this point, is just a common person. Nothing fantastic, nothing that stands out. But I believe what elevates her to a great teacher of the church is verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Here we see a confession of believing in Christ. Mary believed in the gospel. Mary up to this point does not understand what's going on. I doubt the explanation that the angel has given Mary has brought any peace to her heart. Let me read for you what the angel said again. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy Son of God. I doubt that Mary said to this response, I get it. The Holy Spirit is going to conceive me. Got it. And then I'll give birth to a son. Makes perfect sense, angel. Makes perfect sense. Got it. You can, you can leave now. No. Mary still has no clue what is going on. And she is probably terrified what's going to happen in the coming months. How is she going to explain this to Joseph? How is she going to do all these things? Where is she going to live? How is she going to face her parents? What is she going to talk to her communities? Because we know she has not yet talked to Joseph. What is Joseph going to do? We know in Matthew that Joseph at the same time is having the same conversation, freaking out the same way. But Mary at this point doesn't ask for more reassurance. She sees that the angel is going to comfort her that the God is going to be on his way, that he's going to continually be with her. So that is why verse 38 is so profound. She does not say, behold, I understand your will. He, she says, I am your servant. I am your slave. I don't understand what's going to happen, but let it be according to your words. We do not see faith often like this in Scripture. Even Thomas had to see the nails in Jesus' hand to believe. But Mary saw not even a person. She wasn't even given a full explanation, but yet she believed in the words of God. Mary gives to us the blueprint of this season. Jesus has declared to us that he is coming once again. And once again, we are in a state where we do not understand 
what that will look like. What does that mean? And once again, the church finds herself in a little bit of doubt. Jesus, how is this possible? How are you going to come back? In this year, we've seen our lives turned upside down and we begin to be, not believe. Jesus, why is this happening? Are you really coming back? Are your promises really true? And in this Advent season, it is easy to not believe that the Lord is coming. So easy. That is why we can look to Mary as she provides the blueprint. Lord, I may not understand everything. Help my unbelief. And let me believe in your words. Let it be to me according to your will. This is why Mary is remembered throughout the church. We see as Mary stands up and walks away and goes to Elizabeth, Elizabeth understands the significance of Mary's actions. In verse 44, which we see in Scripture but not in your bulletin, this is what it says. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, this is Elizabeth, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Praise be to God for Mary. She showed to us what it means to believe. And her status as the teacher of the church is not her virginity or giving the birth the Son of God, but it is her faith in a time of turmoil and unknowing. This is the situation we find ourselves in today. The Lord has called us to believe in a, in a, in a time of turmoil and unknowing. That is why in this Advent season we look to Mary to see what she has done. And that is why I urge all of you to be like Mary. And in doing so, believe the words of God. Jesus is coming. And we can rest assured that he will come again. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you that you are our God. And we thank you for the promises. We especially thank you of this great story of the birth of your son, Jesus Christ, who has taught us to believe. Lord, we thank you for the saints who come before us, who show us how to believe in the promise of the son. Many in the Old Testament only had your word. They didn't know exactly what your plan was going to be, but yet they believed because, God, you are good and you are the Alpha and the Omega and we have nowhere else to turn. Help us to continue to believe. Help us to continue to savor in the promise that your son is coming again. Lord, we long for that day. Lord, Jesus, come quickly. We thank you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.